0: The information provided on this podcast does not, and is not intended to, constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only.
1: Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fizewski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self advocacy.
0: Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's protection and advocacy agency for disability rights. Find out more at dlcv.org.
1: So, Virginia, I'm very excited for today's guest and topic.
0: I'm so excited and so scared in a way because I don't know or understand anything about special education.
1: Special education is a very broad, complicated topic, which makes it makes me very glad that I am not the expert in it and that our lovely uh, fellow co-worker, Kalina Eck, is the expert.
0: Blessedly. Yeah, she's going to uh, talk to us about uh, the concept of fate. Free and appropriate public education in special education, and give us some tips for educating during this weird COVID 19 quarantine time. But before we jump into that,
1: let's check out Disability in the News.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Molly Carter, and I'll be doing today's DLCB highlights. After attending one of DLCB's social security clinics, Susan came away with a whole new understanding of the system. She had been repeatedly denied social security benefits despite a long-standing mental illness. Susan was able to work for, n- for a nine-month period before her mental illness manifested itself, causing termination. However, in those nine-month periods, she would often miss work or take leave of absences due to her mental illness, reducing her actual work time. Through talking with Elizabeth, our advocate, Susan realized she had been minimizing her symptoms when speaking to healthcare professionals, which would skew her documentation. Elizabeth shared how one can prove a case when 40 years old, as well as giving Susan a new strategy to a disability claim that would include more accurately documenting her work attempts and more accurately informing her doctors. Understanding the, quote, big picture, gave Susan the ability to better manage a disability claim in the future.
1: All right, it's time to jump right into our segment. Welcome, Kalina, for the first time. Thank you for having me. We're going to be talking about stuff that Virginia and I know nothing about, which is so, so many different topics. Um, so we're talking about F-A-P-E, or... FAPE.
3: What does that even mean? So FAPE is uh, one another of those sort of alphabet soup things in the special education world, um, and it stands for free appropriate public education. And that's the legal standard that school divisions are required to give to students with disabilities. Which is a great idea. Funny you should mention idea, uh, because that is the law that it comes from. The Individuals with Disabilities Education Act.
0: In terms of the standards that uh, FAPE sets out, what does it say? What, what does it say we should be given our kiddos? Well, so
3: the whole point behind IDEA is that it's an individualized approach. So what's, what meets FAPE for any particular child is gonna be a really one-on, one-by-one, case-by-case Determination. So that's really hard for lawyers um, <laughs> to to grapple with. Um, we like things that are that fit into categories neatly, um, but um, special ed and and FAPE are really about what each individual child needs.
1: Where do where do we kind of get this guidance? You you mentioned that again. That idea that lawyers love something that's clean and applies to everything. So where do where do courts sort of make this guidance and try to help determine, you know, how these, how these laws and how these ideas are applied in the community?
3: So there are regulations. Um, the Vir- Virginia has their own regulations that sort of cl- give a little more clarity um, for sort of the, the mechanics of how FAPE is figured out. Um, there are evaluations and lots of other things that help schools figure out what each individual kid needs. Um, But there are sort of precious few bright line standards, um, legal standards. Um, Mostly judges hate making these kind of calls um, because they recognize that they are not the educational experts. Um, They're you know Legal experts, not um, what you know. The current modality is you know that's recognized in the schools as you know the newest and most innovative sort of educational theory. Um, so judges will really defer pretty hard to um, educational professionals before them. Um, there have been two cases from the Supreme Court that um, we look to uh, that really sort of talk about what is Fave in sort of two different contexts. Um, the first one is a case from 1982, um, which is called Hudson v. Rowley is sort of the shorthand um, for the title. Um, and that was a case that came out of IDEA's precursor um, statute, uh, but it's sort of largely the same thing still talking about faith Um, and that's been the standard for since 1982 and sort of still is Um, so in that case um, there was a a kindergartner um, who had hearing impairment and her parents um, really thought that she needed a sign language interpreter Um, and the school to their credit um, tried it Uh, They also gave her an FM system and some other things to um, sort of give her the supports that they thought she needed um,
0: in kindergarten. What is an FM system?
3: So it's sort of like a a personal radio that sort of just enhances the sound. And so she did fine with that. Um, And actually the school said, you know, she didn't really use the interpreter when we had her there. Um, so we're just not gonna do it for her first grade um, education plan. Um, and so obviously the parents were not happy with this um, and they uh, went through the process and, and the case wound up in the Supreme Court. Um, and the to get to the Supreme Court, you have to go through you know, the lower courts and administrative courts in Virginia, at least. i um, you have to go through administrative courts and the lower courts um, first. And the lower courts in the Rowley, um case used language that is just my very favorite. Um, and that's that students should be given the opportunity to reach their full potential. Like that's what FAPE means. FAPE means we are going to give kids everything they need to reach just everything they can possibly be. And then the Supreme Court said, that's maybe going a little far. Um, used um, language like, you know, kids are entitled to an adequate education. Um, one that is reasonably calculated to allow them to receive educational benefit. Um, so they're trying to give them an equal opportunity kind of thing, sort of
0: like a, a baseline. Because I know that what I'm always striving to be is adequate. <laughs> Right, right. So, um, this
3: is where uh, I don't know if you, you maybe have heard the language that um, kids are not entitled to a Cadillac. Um, I guess in 1982, Cadillac was still mm-hmm. a fancy car. Um, they can't but, even drive, Kalina. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, so kids are entitled to a Chevy, you know, a, a car that runs. Um, essentially, if a student is getting getting passing grades and advancing from grade to grade like you would expect a student without a disability to, that's good enough for FAPE. Um, So, you know, we're not talking about, you know, this kid could be getting A's, but they're getting C's. Um, If they're passing and moving through, that's good enough. Um, You know, certainly schools can provide more if they want to, but the legal baseline standard for FAPE is, you know, just sort of the Chevrolet. Um, So that standard sort of over time, um, 1982 was a little bit ago, uh, over time has been sort of watered down. Um, Courts and schools sort of have held that the educational benefit has to be um, just de minimis, which is um, fancy lawyer Latin for almost nothing, but not actually nothing. Um, and that students just have to be making some progress for schools to say they provided enough for FAPE. Um, so that, that is still the standard now. If you've got a, a kiddo who is um, progressing from grade to grade as you'd expect a student without a disability to, um, the, the courts are likely to say FAPE has been provided.
1: You, you mentioned a second court case. Um, did that change this standard
3: at all or sort of expand on it? It, it changed it a l- little bit for a certain sort of uh, group of students. Um, so that case came out more recently um, in 2017. That's the Andrew F. V. Douglas County case. Um, and that sort of um, is that A pretty um the tone of the supreme court's opinion if you read it um, for law nerds like us is is sort of a fun read because it gets a little bit uh sassy i don't know could you say a supreme court opinion is sassy it's a little sassy (laughs) um but we'll get to that in a minute um so this is a case where um, the student in question had autism and from preschool through fourth grade had pretty much the same Um, IEP, which is the Individual Education Program, which is basically the plan for how the school is gonna give them faith. Um, So the goals are supposed to change and grow as the child changes and grows and learns. Um, But in in fifth grade, um, the school proposed basically the same plan again. Um, And parents took him out um, and, and placed him in a private school they notified the public school, they did all the steps they were supposed to do to do that. And they sued for um, tuition reimbursement, basically saying, public school division, you need to pay for this private school placement because you are not providing um, this kiddo with FAPE. Um, the lower courts in that uh, in that case said under Rowley, all the school has to give is more than merely de minimis. Um, so that's that sort of dilution of the, the rally standard a little bit. Um, and the Supreme Court, um, in their opinion, just sort of said, you know, did you did you actually do the reading? Um, <laughs> um, because in the, in the rally decision, we said that applied to students who were moving from grade to grade like you would expect um, with supports that the school provides. Um, but the metric is different for a student who isn't fully integrated. In the regular education classroom, who is not achieving on grade level like you would expect? So, for those students, the IEP has to be uh, the Supreme Court said is appropriately ambitious in light of their individual circumstances, which just clears everything right up, right? Um, the the Supreme Court still in that in. Uh, in the Andrew case, um, again, rejected that lovely, full potential language that I just love. Um, but they did hold that that what the public school was doing was not enough for FAPE, and, and they awarded the tuition reimbursement to um, the family.
1: Who doesn't so, love a happy ending? <laughs> yes,
3: yes. So those are the two cases that we really look to when we look at um, what is a what is a judge going to say? What's the hearing officer likely to say? Um, what their, what is the what is the bare minimum um, that schools have to do to provide?
1: Right now we're we're in difficult times. We're under quarantine for COVID 19, and that has made everything very challenging. So I am sure that everyone's aware the schools are having their own challenges. How is Fape Possible right now? How are we even attempting this during this quarantine?
3: And it is, um, it is, it's hard. Um, you know, it, it's as a parent um, trying to be the executive assistant for my child um, online learning. Um, it is, it is not easy. Um, but uh, the United States Department of Education came out with some guidance. Um, Pretty soon after everybody like you know started um saying schools are shut down in person for the rest of the year um and then came out with some additional guidance later but but it really just comes down to uh schools need to do their best to still comply with the idea including providing the services and supports and um programming in the iep as much as possible you know obviously in- person stuff is is near impossible. Um, but you know we live in this wonderful modern technological age, um, and a, a lot of things can be provided online or um, you know, we do have a lot of of folks here in Virginia that are in rural areas um, that don't have internet access, that don't have um, that sort of technology available. So, you know, the, it really said, you gotta, you know, do your best, get creative if you can. Um, we, we're seeing um, some school divisions give basically parents instructions on how to sort of support um, learning, continuing, um, but it, it's, it is not easy. Um, some school divisions uh, throughout the country sort of said, well, we won't give anybody educational services at all, we'll just stop all of our educational programming because we can't um, provide special ed. Um, So we just won't provide any ed. Um, And the United States Department of Education said, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, uh, don't just give up. Um, Y'all are very creative and um, dedicated folks and, and we're pretty sure you can figure something out. Um, And then Virginia Department of Education has adopted that same guidance um, and said Virginia schools still need to provide special education services, still need to provide FAPE
0: through the shutdown. So, you know, obviously things right now look kind of weird, but um, what can self-advocates and parents do to make sure that students are in the best possible place when the schools reopen?
3: Um, So the first step, um, as with any special education issue, is is to work with the school. Um, If you haven't heard from them by now, and my goodness, I certainly hope you have, um, reach out and talk about what the plan is, brainstorm solutions to make sure um, that the individual kiddo is getting as much as they possibly can through the computer or by phone or work sent home that parents can help with, Um, can do consultations with um, teachers and Uh, therapy providers and that sort of thing to make sure that um, you know they're getting as much FAPE as they can. Then the the second thing um, that is just something I say at every training and every um, moment I can, I'm pretty sure I say it in my sleep at this point, um, is just make sure you're writing everything down. Document everything. keep basically a, a diary of what's going on, like a contemporaneous record of of what's going on. If your student is regressing, um, what services and supports are happening when, when you make a phone call, when you have an email, save it. All If you talk to somebody um, and you can, you have access to email, send a confirmation email that summarizes your phone call um, just because these are this is going to be um, you know hard to remember in in two weeks let alone two months um, if you agree to temporary changes in services and supports while the school's closed make sure that it's in writing that it's a temporary change make sure the change is in writing um, If the school refuses a change you suggest or proposes any changes you don't like, um, there should be a document explaining the reason for the denial or the changes. Um, That's called prior written notice and you have to get that before anything changes um, in your your IUP and in your service delivery. Um, And that still holds true um, even in the COVID shutdown. Um, Prior written notice, Written notice before any change, um, and really just make sure it's very clear um, if there is any change that's going to happen that you agree to, um, and and make sure that it's happening on an individual level. So you're not just getting some blanket um, like we're doing. We're doing this for all students, and so your student falls under that. That um, the I in IEP still stands. It is still an individualized decision and determination. And while schools are having to make that individual determination now for a lot of students all at once, um, they still should be doing that. And then, you know, of course, the dispute resolution options we talked about through the Department of Education um, are, you know, will still be available. So, if you think that the school division is not providing FAPE, um, those those options are still there.
1: I think that's. um... I, th- I think that's, again, why documenting everything is so important is obviously it's good to keep a record for your own thoughts and to make sure that your your child is, is on the right track, but like if at any point you need to explore these dispute resolution options, having that documentation is really critical um, in order to make your case.
3: And two, you know, um, evaluations are mostly done in person, right? So that's going to be you know, really difficult for for schools to do. Frankly, um, that's sort of one of the areas that I think is the most challenging. Um, and having that that data, having that those sort of like um, observations from the parent um, will be really helpful. I think um, when schools do open back up and when um, when more things can be put in place, is knowing you know where we started and, and what happened and where we are now um, is really important.
0: So Kalina, do you have any um, resources of ours that you wanna plug for the listening public? Sure, um, so we worked really hard to uh, a year ago, two years ago um, to
3: revamp our special education um, page on the DLCV website. Um, So there's a lot of videos on there. There's a lot of links and fact sheets and um, hopefully you can find uh, the answer to your questions in those materials. We also have a parent's um, sort of guidebook to special education um, that I think the link is on our website. Um, You can order it direct through Amazon, Um, have it just arrive at you. uh, (laughs) Two-day shipping if you've got prime Um, and um, so that's that's sort of a a full and complete resource we talk about everything from the very beginning stages of evaluations and assessments and eligibility for special education and um, all the way through dispute resolution options and and sort of the whole gamut.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today Kalina you have been a star. thank you for having me. And hopefully we'll have you back in the future and um, have more lovely conversations educating Virginia and I about special education. Anytime. And now a
2: DLCV highlight. Apple is rolling out extra help for people with disabilities during the COVID-19 pandemic. They recently announced they are creating a dedicated support system to address accessibility questions as well as a new support website and how-to videos for users to get the most out of all the accessibility features. In addition, the company is now offering one-on-one virtual coaching sessions for students with disabilities and their teachers who are using remote learning. Apple is featuring a collection of apps designed to address communication, fitness, gaming, and other hobbies for people with disabilities in its app store, and is highlighting films and TV shows Featuring actors with disabilities on Apple TV in honor of Accessibility Awareness Month. All the specialized support for those with disabilities can be found through Apple Care on iPhones, online, and through online chat on the Apple website.
1: Thanks again to the marvelous Kalina. We really enjoyed having you on the show and explaining um explaining all of special education. Just all of it, it is explained.
0: Yeah. There, <laughs> there's just so much to know and so many steps. So again, we really encourage our listeners to go to our website at dlcv.org and check out uh, all of the resources that we have there, including the special education manual.
1: Yeah. The children's team has done excellent work in compiling a lot of different resources, a lot of different fact sheets. So it's definitely good to take a look. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review.
0: If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA, and you can share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fizewski. And this has been Right's Here.
0: Right's Now.